Good morning. It's a beautiful morning at Preston Hollow, and we're so glad that you've joined us for worship. I want to extend a special welcome to all of you who may be visiting with us for one of the first times. It's a joy to have you here. We want to invite you after the service to the atrium where you'll find snacks and a time for fellowship and also where you'll find more information about the mission and ministry of this church. So if you are a visitor, we wholeheartedly welcome you here. Additionally, if you are joining us by means of the radio or our live stream, we're glad that you have tuned into this worship service. If you are present here in the sanctuary, we want to invite you to find the friendship pads on the ends of your pews and to register your attendance there as a means of getting to know those who you're worshiping around. Additionally, uh, you'll find in the pews a couple of things that are part of the life of this community. You'll find connection cards. So if you are new to this community, we want you to fill one of those connection cards out and drop it in the offering plate as a way of uh, giving us your information so we can be in touch. And on the back of that connection card, there's a prayer card. So if there's something that's weighing on your heart today, or if you want to lift up a joy or a celebration, you can put that prayer onto that card and drop it into the offering plate later in the service. It's a privilege to pray with and for you. A few announcements this morning. We are still in our summer series, and so we've got a couple big summer events still coming up, um, one of which is very exciting for our senior adults. On Wednesday, August 14th, our senior adults have an opportunity to tour the AT&T Stadium. So if you're interested in doing that, you can sign up at the atrium counter with Maylin. So don't miss that opportunity. And additionally, uh, our Puerto Rico mission team, our team that traveled to Puerto Rico in June, will be giving a talk back next week at 9 a.m. on Sunday morning in Jubilee Hall. So if you're interested in hearing about the work that we did in Puerto Rico, um, what we experienced, how we viewed um, the hurricane recovery efforts, you're invited to join us at 9 a.m. next Sunday. Friends, in this sacred and ordinary life, we are reflecting today on the notion of play, what it means to delight in God. But it occurs to me that many of us have likely brought some grief to this space this morning or some fear, or something that just doesn't sit well. So I want to invite us all to take a few deep breaths. Can you do that with me? Just breathe. Friends, we come to this space to lay down our burdens and to find and experience the presence of God. So I hope that each one of us will do that this morning with one another. So let us worship a good and gracious God.
join me in the call to worship, in sleeping and in waking, God is present, in eating and in playing, God is present, in losing keys, reading a book, and sitting in traffic, God is present, as we gather for worship, God is present, let us worship God.
Friends, hear and believe the good news of the gospel. We are saved by grace through faith. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. you may be seated and at this time I'd like to invite all of our children forward for a special children's message. morning everyone I wonder could you raise your hand if you get time every day to play could you raise your hand if you get to play every day Wow you guys are so why do you think it's important hey what do you think yeah what do you think to get energy that's a good one yeah why else is it important to play Maybe to get some of your energy out. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's important to play so we can make friends. Do you ever make some friends when you're playing? Yeah. Why else? Yeah. Sometimes your parents make you play to make them stop asking questions. Yeah. Yeah, the truth comes out. Do you think, let me ask you a question, do you think that adults are good at playing? No. Why not? Why aren't adults very good at playing? They're busy? Yeah. Maybe adults don't make as much time to play. What do you think? Because they're bigger? Yeah. I think sometimes when people grow up, we forget how to play. Yeah, I know, I know. But it's so important to play because when we play, we use our imagination, and we laugh, and we smile, and we build friendships. You all know that. And I think that God wants us to play. I think that God wants us to play so that we remember that we belong to one another. So we remember how to imagine and laugh and smile and play. So I wonder, I wonder if you could do me a favor today. Could you do us all a favor and remind adults to play more and smile more and laugh more? Do you think you could do that? Could you remind your parents that they need to take a break 
and smile and use their imagination. Do you think you could do that? I know that's a big challenge, but I think it would really help us if you could remind us to do that. What do you think? Are you up for the challenge? Okay, because you guys are just really good at playing and we're not, and so we need your help. How about that? All right, will you say a prayer with me before you go back to your seats? Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for creating this world. Remind us to play. Help us to laugh and smile. And be grateful. Amen. Thank you for coming up today. You guys can go back to your seats, okay? Friends, as we prepare to hear scripture read and proclaimed, let us pray. Open our hearts and minds, gracious God, to your promises to us in holy scripture, that we may be moved to better ourselves and our world for the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, and his vision for us all. Amen. Good morning. You all made it here despite the rain. It's good to be with you. Today's reading comes from the book of Zechariah. Have any of you ever heard a sermon from Zechariah? <laughs> yeah, me neither. <laughs> Jeremiah, sure. The Torah, always. Major prophets, yes. Minor prophets, less so. Zechariah, almost never. We rarely find ourselves reading from this tiny prophetic book at the back of the Old Testament, but that does not mean that it does not have much to say. So I'm excited to dive in together. Listen now for the word of the Lord from Zechariah chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. The word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I am jealous for Zion with great jealousy, and I am jealous for her with great wrath. Thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and will dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the faithful city, and the mountain of the Lord of hosts shall be called the holy mountain. Thus says the Lord of hosts. Old men and old women again shall sit in the streets of Jerusalem, each with a staff in their hand because of their great age. And the streets of the city shall be full of girls and boys playing. Thus says the Lord of hosts, even though it seems impossible to the remnant of this people in these days, should it also seem impossible to me, says the Lord? Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will save my people. From the east country and from the west country, I will bring them to live in Jerusalem. They shall be my people, 
and I will be their God, in faithfulness and in righteousness. This is the word of the Lord. In today's passage, the prophet Zechariah is sharing a message from God to the Israelite people. As some of you may remember, for generations the Israelites were in exile, which means they were conquered by a bigger, stronger, more aggressive nation. They were taken from their homes and sent to live in enemy territory to wait for the day where they could return to the promised land. Finally, after generations of waiting, the Israelites are allowed to return home. That's the good news. The bad news, however, is that Jerusalem is a mess. Cities left in ruins don't rebuild themselves. So the Israelites return to a broken and destroyed Jerusalem that is nothing like they'd remembered it. The walls were in decay. The temple in ruins, the economy non-existent. And to make matters worse, it is likely that only the fit and healthy could have made the journey back to Jerusalem, which meant that families with young children and elderly may have been left behind. So our text today is Zechariah offering a message of hope from God in a time of broken transition. Zechariah tells the Israelites, one day, one day, God will restore Jerusalem to a holy city again, which means the temple will be rebuilt. And one day, God says, children will play in the streets because this city will be safe and overflowing with joy. And one day, even the elderly will be with us because all will be united and no one will be left behind. It's beautiful and powerful and hopeful. Zechariah is talking about the sun to a people standing in the dark. They cannot see the promised day, but Zechariah assures them one day, one day it will come. Things will be better. In essence, this is Zechariah's I have a dream speech. Zechariah is saying, friends, this is what the promised day will look like. I have a dream. One day. Now, it's important to acknowledge that Zechariah is not the only prophet with a promised day speech. As a matter of fact, most prophets have some sort of promised day pep talk to share with the Israelites at one point or another. However, there is something unique about Zechariah's speech. In Zechariah's prophecy, he promises that there will be children playing in the streets. Did you catch that? In God's promised day, there will be play. We're used to hearing that justice will roll down like waters or that people will come from east and west. And those are good promises. But the Hebrew word for play is only used a handful of times and almost exclusively in regards to instruments. People playing in their streets? That's new. We're not used to that. It's different. It's a small detail that we could easily ignore, but I do not believe that God is casual with God's dreams for us. 
So today we're going to talk about the sacred and ordinary thing that is play. Now, I'm going to suggest something that's not very Presbyterian of us. We, the frozen chosen, so just bear with me. If you are seated near someone, I want to invite you to turn to that person and tell them the first thing that comes to mind when I say play. And no, this is not a drill. Turn to your neighbor now and tell them what comes to mind when you hear the word play. As I say in the youth house, bring it on back, bring it on back. When I say the word play, I imagine that many of us in this room are transported somewhere back in childhood. Maybe you have memories of the good old days where you were free to run around the neighborhood with whatever neighborhood kids were available, only to return home when the dinner bell rang or it got dark out. I wish we still had those days. Or maybe you are filled with memories of family board games and puzzles, secret handshakes with childhood friends, late night sleepovers or family vacation. Or maybe if you're like me, the word play brings to mind a tree fort in the backyard, forcing your younger sibling to play pretend with you and lots of rounds of hide and go seek. I'm seeing some head nods. So just out of curiosity, raise your hand for me if the first thing you thought of when I said play was something related to childhood. All right, a lot of hands. Now raise your hand if when I said play, you thought of the current day, right now, this season of life. Good, some hands. Play tends to be something we associate with childhood often. We want our kids to play. We know that when kids play, it helps them develop hand-eye coordination. Play reduces stress. Play builds social resilience. Play teaches us to share, negotiate, and resolve conflict. And school children who have access to recess have been found to be significantly less anxious and to have improved academic scores. As a matter of fact, play is so important that it has been recognized by the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights as a right of every child. The benefits of play are immeasurable. I have seen those benefits firsthand. My third year of seminary, I spent the summer working as a hospital chaplain in the pediatric ICU and NICU at Virginia Commonwealth University Hospital. My days were spent rotating through conversations with parents, staff, and children, trying to provide comfort where I could and support when possible. It was a hard job, but it was meaningful work. One of my favorite parts of the job, however, was the play. Hospitals know that kids need to play even when they're sick. So the hallways on a children's unit are designed like forests or underwater adventure centers. There are play rooms on each floor 
and they have wagons that are designed to pull both a child and their IV pole. There are therapy dogs and carts of books that could be pushed from room to room. And there were chaplains like myself who played games as a form of care. I spent my days rotating through the clinic playing Uno with kids, offering piggyback rides when possible, and teaching a nine-year-old girl who was there from Guatemala alone how to make origami paper cranes, anything to get past the language barrier. We all know that kids need play. However, play does not only benefit children, it's critical for adults too, and some of you know that. Did you know that research has found play to have the ability to help adults rekindle intimacy in relationships? Adults who play have better cognitive abilities, stronger memories, and are generally happier. Companies that play as a staff generate relationships and a sense of belonging that benefits the company greatly. And companies that create space for employees to play have found that some of their most creative ideas are generated during that time. Take Google Maps, for example. The idea for Google Maps was created on a staff-wide play break. Kids need play, but we adults need it too. But there is, there is something about play that we need in the fiber of our beings. However, we're not always good at it. I think that is because society tends to dismiss play for adults. There is no playroom on the adult floors of the hospital. Psychology blog Psych Central says that play for adults is perceived as unproductive, petty, or even a guilty pleasure. The notion is that once we reach adulthood, it's time to get serious. And between personal and professional responsibilities, there's no time to play. You can't play when the house needs to be cleaned, bills need to be paid, dinner needs to be prepared, and your phone is constantly buzzing with email reminders. I know the adults in the room feel that. And as one who works with youth all the time, I can attest that teenagers feel that. By high school, most youth know that play isn't going to get them into college or get them a scholarship. They know that play isn't what makes their parents most proud or what makes them most popular, so play fades away. The only play we as adults tend to accept is competitive play, which does not quite offer the same emotional or mental benefits because inherently there is always a loser. So it's complicated, isn't it? Play is clearly good for us, but we don't tend to prioritize it unless you're a child. And yet, and yet, God's promised day includes play. So we have to ask why. If I had to make a theological guess, which is all I can do when the reason is not explicit, my hunch is that Zachariah knew that when we refuse to stop and play, we live and work like our self-worth depends on our ability to be successful, to win, or to accomplish. I'll say that again. When we refuse to make room for play, we live and work like our self-worth depends on our ability to be successful instead of our self-worth being rooted in God. 
When we play, we allow for something other than being productive to become the priority. When we play, we allow ourselves to just be, to be with one another, to be in nature, to be silly and joyful, and that is holy. Those moments remind us that our worth doesn't depend on our ability to produce. The world goes on if we stop and take an hour to play baseball in the backyard. The world will go on if we stop working and have friends over for dinner. The world will keep moving and God will continue to love us. So why not take an hour to simply be? Now I realize that question is a question of privilege. Not everyone in the world can, stop, can afford to stop and play. There are parents that work multiple jobs to keep food on the table and for them play is not an option. So for those people, the lack of play is not a crisis of self-worth, it's a crisis of chronic poverty in our society. However, for most of us in this room, play is not something we avoid because we cannot afford to stop. For most of us, play ends up being something we drop on our priority list because we believe it doesn't bring us value. So on that note, what I'm trying to say is that I believe we are made by God and that means we're enough. It is easy to forget that in a world that demands bigger and better all the time, but at the end of the day, who we are is not determined by our work alone. Who we are is rooted in the fact that we are created by love and that's all that matters. So I think when Zechariah said the promised day will have children playing in the streets, it was not just a statement in support of Montessori schools or field days. I think Zechariah is making a radical declaration that the kingdom of God will be upon us when we know that our self-worth is rooted in the trust that we were created out of love. The kingdom of God will be upon us when we are confident enough to put down our work and trust that we are enough. For when we believe that, then we live like that. And when adults make space to simply play and be, then our children will feel free to live that way as well. And like Zachariah said, there will be playing in the streets. When my brother was in pre-K, he joined a little league soccer team, like so many kids do. The team name was the Strikers or something vaguely competitive like that. And as the older sister, it was my duty to attend more of those games than I had ever hoped to attend in my life. But Saturday after Saturday, we went to the field, set up our lawn chairs, and tried to make sense of what was happening with the Strikers or whatever their name was. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen a Little League soccer game before, but oftentimes the thing that most resembles soccer about the game is the fact that the kids are in jerseys. <laughs> Everything else is kind of a free-for-all. <laughs> you've seen it before when, when they're really young. A soccer game is really just an amoeba of kids. There's no zone defense, no positions, there are no real plays or strategy. There's just a ball and a tiny army of children chasing it around the field. Sometimes when they're that young, they get distracted and they wave to their parents or they just stand there and stare. 
Sometimes they get tired and they sit down right where they are to their parents and their coaches' dismay. But my favorite thing about a preschool soccer game is that often when someone scores a goal, everybody cheers. It's not always clear yet that the goal was for the other team or that you should have been aiming for the other net. They just know that the ball got in the net and that means we jump up and down and celebrate. My brother was on one of those little league teams and there's a funny story that my family likes to remember about one of those games. My brother was in the car home with his best friend Ben and Ben's mom said to them, boys, I just want to say I am so proud of you all. You all have played so hard and have kept such good spirits. You're staying so positive and I'm just so proud of you for that. The boys were quiet, so she continued on. I'm just so proud of you all because you played so hard and it was such a close game. You almost had them. I'm really sorry you lost. The minivan was quiet for about 0.2 seconds longer, and then a voice interjected from the back seat, what do you mean we lost? <laughs> the boys had been playing a different game. They had been playing Zachariah's game, where the point is to be with your friends and to have fun and to know joy and to be outside. They were four years old and they were simply playing to play. They were not playing to be the best. That was not the concern. They were just playing to be. The parents, on the other hand, were playing the world's game, where there are winners and losers and trophies and MVPs, referees and scoreboards, shame and anxiety. The parents were anxious for their kids to succeed because they didn't want their kids to feel like failures. They didn't want their kids to feel worthless. But the kids? For that season, they had it all figured out. It was play, and it was sacred, and it was ordinary. And it was on a soccer field, but it could have been in the street. Friends, I don't think God included play in God's vision for the promised day so that we wouldn't be bored. I think God is intentional with God's dreams for us. And if play is included in God's vision for the world, then I think our souls must need it. Work and to-do lists and SAT scores don't have the last word. So in case someone has not reminded you recently, let me remind you, your worth is not based on your ability to be successful or productive. It is not based on your reputation of work. And trust me, this is a reminder I need myself. Our worth is not rooted in how many chores we can check off the list and how much we can accomplish in the day and how many people we can talk to or if we are the MVP of our little league soccer team. Our worth is rooted in the fact that we belong to God, and stop. So one day, I hope we can all believe that. One day, I hope that we can find healthier rhythms of work, play, and Sabbath. One day, I hope that kids will look to us adults as the example for when to stop and rest or stop and play. And one day, 
I believe, like Zechariah, that we will see children playing in the streets because the joy will just be too big to keep inside the walls. And I believe that God delights in that. Let it be so. Pray with me. Lord, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, having heard the word read and proclaimed, let us rise in body or in spirit and affirm what we believe. We respond to God's grace through our Christian vocation. In baptism, we offer our whole lives in service to God and are empowered by the Holy Spirit with gifts for ministry in Jesus' name. Therefore, we are called to honor and serve God at all times and in all places, in our work and play, in our thought and action, and in our private and public engagements. Whatever our situation, we have opportunities each day to bear witness to the power of God at work within us. Therefore, for Christians, work, work, and witness cannot be separated. You may be seated. Friends, we give because God calls us to imagine and to create a better world. And so this month, this month of August, our Every Dollar Counts offering all $1 bills is designated to Montreat Conference Center. Nestled in the mountains of western North Carolina, Montreat is a conference center with roots in the PCUSA, and for over 100 years it has been a place set apart for those who journey there seeking a closer relationship with God and a place to play and rest and build relationships. Our own youth and young adults have found a rich and rewarding spiritual experience at this sacred place. So let us give to a good and gracious God.
Let us pray. God of every blessing, thank you for the gifts before us. Give us the courage and wisdom, gracious God, to put this money to work, fulfilling the will of your word and transforming us into the followers you call us to be. Amen. You may be seated. Family of faith, he was always the guest. At the meals of the table of the wealthy where he pleaded the case of the poor, upsetting polite company, befriending the lost and the lonely, practicing radical hospitality. But here at this table, Jesus is the host. So you're invited. You're invited to come with your fears and your truth and your heart on your sleeve. Come not because you must, but because you may. And come whether this is your first time or your hundredth time. The table is ready. You are God's guest. There is room for all. So come. Friends, this morning we will remain seated in the pews to receive communion. When the tray passes by, you are invited to take a piece of bread and to eat it as you are ready. We will then hold the cup and drink that together as a sign of our unity in Christ. The wine is unfermented and the bread is gluten-free so that all might participate. This is an open table, so all who love God and seek faith are welcome. Friends, let us pray. The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. God, we are so grateful for the gift of life and for the gift of new life this day. For the covenant that you have made with us all that nothing in this life or even in death will separate us from your love, your mercy, your peace. We are grateful for the many ways that you continue to nurture and sustain us as we journey through this life and through this season. Many of us come this day, oh God, celebrating new life, new relationships, new engagements, new partnerships, new jobs, new seasons of life and retirement and children. Others of us come this day, oh God, tired and hungry, looking for your word to sustain us and your spirit to comfort us. Some of us come despairing, wondering what has happened and where the joy of life has gone. Others of us, oh God, come bruised and sore, looking for healing, longing for wholeness. Many of us come this day, oh God, with heavy hearts, praying for young people harmed by those who should protect them, praying for a world on edge, tense with fear and hate and violence. We all come again this morning, O oh God, another Sunday morning in America, and pray for those affected by gun violence. We pray for those in El Paso and Dayton this morning. We pray for the families of those who have lost more than words could ever name. We pray for the countless communities they now join in pain and suffering, loss and trauma. 
And so we have come to this table, O God, looking for good news in the midst of the world's bad news. We have come to this table seeking forgiveness for our wrongs, seeking to know your presence when we feel alone, and seeking to know your heart and your will for a world with so much need. In the holy space of this hour of worship, O oh God, we offer you our prayers and we listen for yours. Let your grace rain down upon us, O oh God, that we may be surrounded by your love and your peace and your hope. Open our eyes and hearts to see you in unexpected places. Guide our hands to show your love, for you are a God of surprises, a God of peace, a God of hope, a God of love, and a God of forgiveness, a God of play. Fill us with your spirit that we may widen the circle until all the world knows your grace. And we ask, O oh God, that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us and upon these ordinary gifts of bread and cup. Kindle within us the fire of your love, refine in us the fire of your truth, and transform us with the fire of your spirit, that we might discover at this table the perfecting power of your love and be inspired to share that love with the whole world. For we pray these and all things in the name of your Son, Jesus the Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. On the night he was arrested, Jesus was at table with his disciples and he took bread. And after giving thanks, he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took the cup, and he said, This cup is the cup of the new covenant, sealed in my blood, shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink of it, all of you, and do this in remembrance of me. For every time we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the saving death of our risen Lord until he comes again. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Friends, this is the cup of the new covenant. Drink ye all of it. Let us pray. Holy and gracious God, for the meal that we have shared, for the nourishment of the spirit and for the life of this community, we give you great thanks. Help us to see miraculous signs wherever we see you. Help us to give our lives away following you. In Christ's holy name, amen. At this time, I'd like to invite Linda Smith forward. Linda is in the North Transept. There she is. Uh, I want to recognize and celebrate her this day. Linda, if you'll just join me right here, I'm going to grab something. Linda has been our uh, director of HR for 17 years here at Preston Hollow, and she is set to retire this coming week. And so, as is our custom here at Preston Hollow, uh, we have made a cross for her. We, no one on staff, but we have... uh, contracted with a local artist to make a cross uh, from one of the pecan trees out in the pecan grove. This cross uh, signifies uh, Linda's time with us on staff. And Linda, as our director of HR, has been working behind the scenes diligently for more years than some of us can count or would um, want to remember. She has uh, helped this community staff and restaff and help us put in policies. And all of that sounds like business world work. But we come to understand it in the church is ministry. And Linda has been in ministry and sharing in ministry with us for a long time. And so, Linda, we want to say thank you. We want to say blessings upon this time. We are a better community because of your faithful service and your ministry among us. And we are so excited for your retirement and all the time that you're going to spend with your grandkids. It is well, well earned. So will you join me in thanking Linda? Linda said, I'm going to cry, and I said, you should, <laughs> and uh, you, she should cry because uh, this is a holy moment in your life, and your body is telling you to recognize this for the holiness that it is, so I'm going to pray for Linda, and you can be seated, and we're going to give God great thanks. God, thank you so much for the life and ministry of Linda Smith, for all that she has meant to this community. For all those that she has walked alongside of, all those that she has cared for, all those that she has planned for, all those that she has onboarded, all those that she has helped in maternity leave and paternity leave, all those that she has helped to rejuvenate through sabbatical, all those that she has helped to sign up for medical care for the very first time of their lives. For all of those who have received their first paycheck because of her, all of those who received their first raise because of her, all of those who have finally had their passwords reset because of her. (laughs) God, we are so grateful for all that she has meant to this community of faith, for the holiness of her work. And we pray and give thanks, O God, knowing 
that the next season of her life with her family is going to be filled with such blessings. So we pray for her kids and her grandkids. We pray uh, for the, the many interstates between here in Colorado and here in Austin that she will travel. And we pray, oh God, that her ministry would continue for all those that she encounters. So we give you great thanks, oh God. For in you, we have our identity, our strength, and our purpose. And so we give you great thanks. For we pray in Christ's holy name. Amen. Linda, thank you. Friends, let us stand and sing our closing hymn. Yeah.
of God includes play. We expect it to include justice. We know it will include community, but it also includes play. Because play is what you do when you know that you are loved beyond accomplishments. So friends, I hope you go out today and play. I hope you dance in the kitchen and run around with your dog in the backyard. I hope you play Uno and give piggyback rides and call a friend and laugh until your sides hurt. Because all of that is ordinary and all of that is sacred. And as you go, may you love as if love is not a scarcity. May you hope like there is a tomorrow. May you live like we belong to one another, because we do. And may you trust that nothing can separate you from the love of God. In the name of the lover, the beloved, and love itself, go in peace. <laughs>